Hello and welcome back to Goonies World. I am Johnny Pharaoh, also known as Sean. And with me, as always, is Meanie, also known as Ryan. Also known as Squirk. Yes. And of course, we have Goonie himself, also known as Colin. And awful known as Jubal. And, of course, once again, we have with us our very good friend and special guest, Red Rocket, also known as Joe. What's up, Joe? Call me Sue. We will call you Sue. We'll call you a man named Sue. Of course, it's spelled S-I-O-U-X, I believe, but Sue to me. As in, and the Banshees. That's right. That's right. So we're back tonight with our uh, in our universe of dearth. A universe with its bloated red sun playing the game Knave. And we're not going to get into all the recap, but just real briefly, the last time we played our heroes Jubal and Squirg met a new friend, Sue Fastmane, and together continued the long journey to the wondrous city of Ceres Arcs. And after trouble on the road with uh, malignant hawk toads and a hair-raising ride off the Trithagorian Wall in a phantom coach... Uh, you guys have crossed a pearl ash desert through the coral pillar corridors and have reached the high-walled town of Hadoro Tyros. And unfortunately, however, the Hadoro Tyrosians subscribe to the cult of denial, and they deny the sacrifice of Yulian the Clean that kept the sun alive a little longer and ushered in the age of temporary reprieve. And they deny the very existence of reality, in fact. They think the world's already ended and everyone's all dead and this is a dream and everyone's in purgatory. But as Jubal pointed out, if he was having a dream, there would be more naked women around. And would they be halfling women, or would they be normal-sized women, Jubal? Oh, I like them tall. Okay, he likes them tall. All right. Because of Jubal claiming to be a friend of Yulian's before Yulian ascended to godhood, the gendarmes of the town in their ill-fitting, scavenged, hobgoth armor, led by a priest in white robes, cried out that the party are blasphemers! and have moved to attack you guys, and that's where we'll begin. But before we roll initiative, let's set the stage just a little bit. So you're just inside this uh, locked, ridiculously tall gate of Hadoro Tyros in a triangular plaza. And you can picture yourselves along the flat side of the triangle with a dozen gendarmes and the priest all around you, but your backs are to the wall. They're running at you, but they're still about 30 feet away or so, so you could get off around a missile fire or charge at them. This plaza is surrounded by tall buildings that have gardens on the roofs, and they're covered in long trailing vines that stretch all the way down to street level. And there are townsfolk leaning out of their windows and on porches watching all this. So if one of you would go ahead and roll for initiative... Uh, we will see who goes first. In a four, five, or six, I believe you guys will go. Uh, I think Ryan should roll it because I think we've both already rolled it before. Okay. Hopefully. He- well, if, <laughs> yeah, it would. Uh, <clears throat> would it be me because I don't have a d6 with me? <laughs> yeah. Well, in that case, uh, I think Joe I, can roll a d6. I I just I purposely made Ryan because <laughs> I knew three. he wasn't ready. The three, well, I hate to tell you guys this, but they're going to go first. And there are, as I said, a dozen of them. And uh, three of them, seeing a big target with a big axe, decide to rush in and take care of Sue. And uh, Sue, I'm afraid the first one of them is going to hit you. And he's going to do five points of damage to you. The second one is also going to hit you. For three points of damage, a total of eight in this first exchange. Luckily for you, Sue, the third one misses. Squirk, meanwhile, is swamped with three fellows, these gendarmes in their ill-fitting armor, but one of them misses you, luckily, Squirk. Another one takes a high swing at you with his sword, but he misses you again. And another, the last one with an eight, he cannot connect. But as a blasphemer. Jubal is four men rush at you, Jubal. And now, of course, everybody's in this melee cluster up against the wall. Jubal, the first one misses you with his whirling sword. So does the second one. But the last one, my friend, connects and does seven points of damage. Meanwhile, the priest does nothing 
except four of those gendarmes, he's still about 30 feet away from you, and four of those gendarmes, they like line up in front of the priest, right? So anyone who wants to get to the priest has to go through them. It's the tactics that they're using. There are also two who are uncommitted at this point. They're kind of out in the mid-range. All that might be hard to picture, but if you can picture yourselves in a huge cluster with guys all over you, that's exactly where we're at right now. And I'll encourage you to be creative. You know, Nave gives us this great vague rule for stunts, which is stunts are combat maneuvers such as stunning, shoving, disarming, tripping, sundering armor, and so on. They resolve with a versus save. They may not cause damage directly, but may do so indirectly. The referee is the final arbiter as to which stunts are possible, and I plan to be generous. So, And you're going to need to be creative when you have all these guys all over you. And so I always like to go with the littlest and lightest guy first. So, Jubal, what do you do? you got four big old guys right on you, and they're all bigger than you. They're all screaming, blasphemer, blasphemer. You notice, however, that the people who are watching, the people leaning out their windows, they're not all screaming blasphemer. They seem like rather interested in what's happening. But Jubal, what do you do? All right, so I think I'm going to cast a spell. Okay, we all have spells. Now, we all want to remember, too, that in Nave, they're not ones you memorize. These are like on like plates. you got to be able to have the plate and read them. So if someone ever took your plates, you couldn't do it. But you can certainly get it out and do it right now. Okay. So I wanted to cast Auditory Illusion. Okay. And um, I think what I'd like is for it to be like a great booming voice of maybe Yulian the Clean (laughs) coming from the sky or something, you know. Okay. Um, We'll you do know, it. What's it what, what do they? What do they say? Do it. And what do you think Yulian's voice sounds like in character? What's it sound like? Well, I have, I'm assuming like Yulian the Clean. Um, he was an elf. He was an elf, right? Yes, he was. He was an elf. Not that that changes the voice, but um, now he's got. He wants a commanding voice, so talk like this. You know, like okay. a god. Um, and uh, I don't know. I want him to say, like, um, It is I, Yulian the Clean. There is no blasphemy, for he speaks the truth. Stop your aggression at once, or prepare for doom. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? That certainly causes the rank and file to hesitate for a bit. You're not sure what the priest is going to do. He, You can see him screaming. He's shaking his head. The priest knows full well what you're up to, especially because you're holding a plate, you know. But the guys are a little bit startled. They're, they're, they will have a negative effect on them. I don't know if this is going to end the fight, but definitely they're going to automatically lose initiative on the next turn, okay? So you guys yeah, are... I, I would think at least, yeah, that they um, yeah. are starting to doubt a little bit what they believe. Yeah, they're, well, they're at least hesitating for a minute. But you know what? It's real hard to get somebody to Change their not belief. believe what something they pretty strongly believe, right? Because it's, it's fake news. This is fake pronouncement from a fake god. But, but the guys you were fighting are definitely hesitating. And since we roll initiative every round, they're going to automatically lose next round, right? So that means you guys now take your turn, you know, in this round, and then the next round you're going to go first. So you essentially get to go twice in a row because of of what you have done. And uh, uh, meanwhile, though, at the end of this first round, uh, I'm not sure. I know Squirg's a little flabby around the middle, but otherwise he's kind of thin and pinched. And uh, so I think he probably does weigh less than Sue, who's a great big badass. So, uh, Squirg, <coughs> what do you do? Well, uh, I don't know. I, I'm thinking that he, he's got a bucket and uh, he's going to be start swinging the bucket. No, actually, he pulls out his longbow. That's what he's going to do. He's going to pull out his longbow and shoot at the priest because the priest is the, is the main one who knows that uh, we're up to some bullshit, so... Um, he's going to try to take a shot at him because, you know, yeah, you can have like a, a flank of or a phalanx of guys in front of you, but that won't necessarily 
stop an arrow. So no, but I think that you would have to either shoot right through those guys with a small target or like arc it upwards. And I think it's fair to ask you to do this at a disadvantage, especially because you got three dudes okay. in your face. Yeah, but I think it's a great plan. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's a great plan. I hope it works. So if you roll with a disadvantage, meaning roll two d20s for attack, and take the worst one. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna guess this is gonna be Dex. Yeah. Actually, ranged attacks are based on your wisdom in wisdom. Nave. That's right. That's right, because right. it's a perception stat. And they, oh, well, the very f- <laughs> I only have one d twenty here, and I would need to roll it twice to roll with disadvantage. But the first one I rolled was a one, natural one. Natural so one. I don't think anything else I roll is going to matter. No, it doesn't. And I'm afraid that your your bowstring come your bow comes unstrung. You know, it's like twang, you're like oh, and it like snaps and hits your forearm. You know, and stings like it does. And so, I always love a good critical failure, and that's what has happened. And Sue, you guys are hesitating in front of you, but he's got uh, all three of them there. And uh, what, are the, what do you do, Sue, with those three men in front of you? Sue says, uh, thank you for the hospitality, and then swings his huge axe and a big arc. Okay. When you say big arc, are you trying to hit just one of them? If possible, I would like to hit more than one. I think I could allow that at a disadvantage. That would be my referee as the final arbiter interpretation. Well, at disadvantage, I will not hit because I only have a nine. Well, that's too bad. But certainly, you know, they, they back off a little bit. And like, whoa, as that big axe swings around. Now it is the next turn. And you guys have already automatically won the initiative because those men are hesitating due to the so-called voice of Yuli and the boom down out of the sky. But they're a little bit more afraid of their priest than you, obviously. And this is a pretty well-established religion. So let's see if we can go ahead and follow this up. Jubal, what do you do? Well, uh, I will have to just uh, stab... You do a stabby, stab, stab. Okay, there's four guys on you, and I assume you'll stab one? Yeah. All right. And right in, in the gut. Stabbing him in the gut. All right, let's go ahead and roll. And uh, to hit these guys, by the way, you'll need uh, their defense is 12, so you'll need a 13 or higher. I missed. And you missed him. And, uh, Squirg, what do you do? Um, well, so his bow has come on strong, which is very unfortunate. Um, so I, I think what Squirrel is going to do is try to push through these three guys that are in his face mm-hmm. and rush the priest and attempt to tackle the priest, like bl- blowing through the guys guarding him, um, <laughs> which is probably going to be impossible. Uh, or uh, the minimum incredibly difficult, but he's pissed. I think you should do all kinds of incredibly difficult stuff, and we're going to settle this as uh, what they would call a versus save. We're both going to make strength rolls. But first, got to get past the guys who are on you, right? So right. pushing through them, why don't you go ahead and make a, a strength roll? These guys have a have a 12. We need to see who gets I high. have a 14. Well, you push through, you blow through the first bunch of them, boom, and topple them out of the way, and you're charging... And that is within your distance. So when you get up to the the edge, um, when you get up to the end of your movement where the uh, four men are with widening eyes seeing you rush towards them, and you can see that priest, by the way, he's getting out his own spells. And, uh, oh, dear Lord. Uh, I just rolled a 22 for their strength. Of course, I'm not rolling for each one separately. I'm just kind of averaging it all out. But you never know. You could go higher than that if you really, really roll lucky. Oh, but a 17. Well, at least you're up there, and you're right on the other side of them, and they're, you're in a pushing and shoving match. You know, it's all getting nasty. And, Sue, you still got those three guys who backed away from you for a minute when your axe took that huge arcing swing. But what do you do now? With a frustrated growl, Sue is going to try the same thing again. So I'm assuming it's still at disadvantage. Um, yeah. Well, if you're going to do the same thing again, yes. Yes, and he will get a 13, which is two less, three less than what he needed. 
No, he actually needed... Oh, no, he needs a 13. He, he needed a 12 to hit them. Oh, okay. So he needs a 13 or higher. So he does hit them. You may roll damage to be applied to all three of them separately. I mean, just roll once, and we'll give all three of them the damage. Okay. And forget, do I add anything to my damage? No. No. Okay. So damage for my big old axe will be... Oh, you're kidding. A one. <laughs> well, they each take one point of damage. Oh, boy. That was so uh, anticlimactic. Well, at least they got a little slice. <laughs> they might think They might think twice about it. They might think twice. They have Been, some, like, uh, you know, some sh- shaving cuts. Yeah, they might have a few shaving cuts to, to worry about. And uh, so it's their turn. It's the bottom, basically, second half of the second round. And... Uh, Jubal, uh, these guys, I'm going to roll four 20-sided dice all at once here. And I'll attack you. Well, you're only hit twice. And the first time, you're, you're hit for three points of damage, Jubal. Oh. And the second time, you're hit for six. So nine points of damage total in that. And then, since we're all right here, those three guys are a little startled, Sue. But they back off you a little bit for a minute. But they come charging back in. Two of them actually hit you. And... But both of them roll low, and altogether you only take six points of damage. And um, let's see. And what is your wisdom, uh, Squirg? Let's see. I think it's 12. No, it's 13. Okay. I need to get 14 or higher to do this. But the priest looks at you, and he says, Don't hurt me. He's reading from his tablet. He's trying to put the command spell on you. He can only give you a three-word command. He's saying, don't hurt me to you. And actually says, do you really want to hurt me? No, there's too many words. But guess what? He can't cast a spell. He can't get it off. He stumbled over his words. You know, he fumbled. There's there's some extra noise. For whatever reason, the energies of the universe are just not aligning. And you still very much feel that you would like to hurt him. However, those four guys right in front of him haven't done anything yet. And they all attack you. Uh, One of them, in fact, only one of them actually managed to hit you, though, Squirt. But you do take six points of damage from that, that one hit. Now, you, you've heard a couple guys. There's only a dozen of them out here. You think maybe you can do this. Maybe get creative. Think what spells you've got. Try to use them creatively. But it is the next round, and this time we are rolling. And uh, um, if uh, and then, of course, the, the priest is now saying, Listen not to the lies of the blasphemers. And uh, they're using magic. Do not be fooled. And we'll go ahead and roll initiative. Well, only you guys need to roll it. So mm. it looks like Colin's going to roll it. Two. Two. I'm afraid that you will not go first this time, and those guys do. So the three guys on Sue uh, all swing, and only one of them hits you, Sue. He does five points of damage. And then the four gentlemen who are pushing and shoving, Squirg, uh, well, that's uh, only one of them hits you there, Squirg, but... It is a 20, and in my world, that's double damage. So you take 10 points of damage from that natural 20. Bam! And luckily, the others did not hit you. And also, Jubal, you got four guys on you. Don't forget, there's still two that aren't accounted for. Jubal, I hate to tell you this, three of them hit you. And that's five, ten, eleven points of damage total, Jubal, as these guys are slicing you up. And, of course, you're not... You guys got... A decent number of hit points compared to other OSR games. I was already hurt from last session, so I am... Let's see. Are you in trouble? Well, yeah. I think at negative... I don't know how far I can get... Well, you go to zero, but yeah, you're down. I'm at zero. Well, you guys see all this, and... uh, and uh, did I get in all those attacks on their turn? Yes, I did. And um, one of the two guys was uncommitted. He actually runs up and he like grabs Jubal, you know, by the hair, and he puts a knife by his throat, and he says, "Surrender, surrender, or the blasphemer dies." Yes, surrender, or the blasphemer dies. Says the priest. Do you got? Do you two want to surrender, or do you want to fight on for a little bit longer and see if you can save your friend? 
me be thinking about it. Sue doesn't surrender for anything. Well, Sue, me name Squirk, but me name not stupid. Okay. Should you throw up your hands? It seems like we we don't have we haven't the numbers to take this these bastard lying blasphemers or whatever they are I don't know they don't believe in Huli and the clean well do you just throw up your hands and surrender at this point Squirg uh well so he's going to act like that's what he's doing Mm -hmm. and then keep an eye on what Sue is doing as well okay well Sue what are you doing I think we know what Sue wants to do. All right, Sue. Well, you're allowed to do whatever you want to do. Incredibly frustrated after this first two attacks. He's just going to try and cleave one of these guys in half. Okay. All right. Well, he makes a big roll. Makes a big roll and gets a big miss. Gets a big miss. Okay. Well, um... No one has officially surrendered yet. Um, you, of course, you caught an eye on that. Uh, you got an eye, eye full of that big miss there, Squirg. But one more time, I would like to go ahead and roll initiative. So if uh, one of you guys could roll for me, I want to see if you guys have a chance to go or whether they're going to go first again. So I would just like to kind of interject. When, when, when he sees Sue make a big whiff, mm-hmm. Squirg will just make a subtle, like, shaking of his head, looking at... Sue, like, don't, don't keep going, man. <laughs> like, yeah. like he's trying to send him like a message. Yeah, of course you just met this guy. You know, he could be a wild card. He could be, and he's an unknown element. You and Jubal have been traveling together for a long time. And seeing the knife up to Jubal's throat might give Squirrel room for pause, where it might not give Sue room for pause. But what do we get for our initiative roll, there, guys? Why don't you go ahead and roll it, Sue? Since you're the only one who's actually fighting. Five. Well, you get to go again. So what would you like to do? Well, considering his luck (laughs) and his uh, virtue, uh, taking that into account as being a just man. Mm Mm-hmm. He's going to not swing his axe, but he's just going to bring it down in front of him and just set it like on its head. Okay. Sticking up. Okay. All right. Because he doesn't oh. want this little guy to get get killed. Well, yeah, and that's good. That's good. And of course, the second it it, it becomes obvious that you guys are, you know, you just swarmed. And uh, there's only a dozen guys out here. Some of them are a little bit cut, but nobody's seriously wounded. The priest says, uh, seize the blasphemers! Every time they even say the word blasphemers, you know, they yell it like John Cleese, you know, every single time. Blasphemers! And, uh, you know, with some unnecessary roughness, because you've already basically surrendered... You know, they go, come here, you, and they grab you, score, you big flabby bastard, get over here. And they, like, spin you around. And like, At least you had the brains to stop. And they're like, all right, get over here, you, and they rush over to you, Sue, and they, they grab you, and everybody's arms are pinned behind their back. And, uh, Jubal, you're, you're, like, smacked around into bare consciousness, and uh, they, they drag you over to the priest whispers a few words over you and uh, stabilizes you and brings you back up to 10 hit points but that's it mm-hmm. and you're you're you know woozy and you don't know what just happened but by the time you come to you you guys are all in in manacles and you're being led to the city but there's not like great rejoicing amongst the the citizens you 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 can't help but think as you look up at them, looking out of their windows and off their porches, these great vine-covered buildings, that just a tiny, tiny part of them is sort of mildly disappointed. But you fought a brave battle against great odds, and no one could blame you for, you know, be- being defeated. But at least you knew when to surrender. So, 
Anyway, um, you're all dr- taken through the town. And as I say, it's very crowded. I mean, this big open triangular plaza is one of the few open spaces. If you recall, this town's walls are ridiculously high. The, the city, it's more vertical than it is horizontal, this city of Hadoro Tyros. And you're taken through these crowded streets, through the vine-covered buildings, and beyond the triangular plaza. But suddenly, around the next corner, there's what looks like a large vacant lot. And seemingly suspended in midair above that lot at different levels are four wretched-looking people in chains. One's pacing back and forth, one is weeping, and two are asleep, but they look like they're just floating in the air. Welcome to the Invisible Tower, says the priest. This is your new home. And you're led through... privacy. Well, there's certainly no privacy. In some ways, it's a great, great prison, right? Because everyone in the whole town can just look up any time and see these people. But it's a big tower. I mean, you guesstimate maybe... It's hard to tell because it's invisible, you know. But but uh, once they lead you in, you know, you can't see it. And they start pushing you up invisible stairs, which is really difficult to navigate. You know, you keep tripping. And they're used to it. So every time you trip, you know, they're impatient. Get up there, you. Get, get moving, you. Um, they march you all the way up to the top. You you, you can count. You, you're on like 12 flights of stairs. And it's daytime still. You know, it's just not lit up or anything. But they take you into this invisible cell. Well, the chains are visible. They just look like they're hanging there in midair. But they go ahead and uh, manacle you guys around the waist. I mean, you're, they put a chain around your waist and then you're... You're manacled to that chain. Your legs Sue, are free. Uh, Sue wants to, like, protest as they're putting him in. Like, hey, I just met these guys. Look, that fight down there, you started it. I think the little one might have some sort of insanity. You'll be free to speak later, blasphemer. And you're all uh, left there for a moment. And they leave the room and close the invisible door. And you can watch them walk back down the invisible stairs. And you can see, like, below you on different levels, the other prisoners. You're tempted to, like, shout to them, but you realize they can't hear you. I mean, the walls stop sound perfectly well. You just can see right through them. And you're so high up, though, you're actually above most of the, the... You're certainly above the level of the walls and most of the buildings here in uh, Hadoro Tyros. And you can see beyond those walls, several marches or miles away to the southeast... There's something you just can't miss. There's this huge black step pyramid at the edge of a massive rift in the earth. I mean, from here, even though you don't have a great angle on that rift, it seems like a bottomless pit. And there's like deep purple smoke rising out of this pit before this great black step pyramid. And for a while, you know, curious people watch you guys and stare at you from high windows uh, and garden rooftops but eventually you know once they realize you're not going to break your chains or try to escape or do anything really entertaining at this point they, they their shoulders slump and they, they sigh sadly and they they turn away and you're left there for a few hours is there anything you want to talk about well, there's other prisoners in here, isn't there? Not in this room, but on oh, different... Oh, not in this room. Yeah, it's like you could see, though, like down like three levels below you, there's a guy sleeping, there's another guy weeping, and two of them are asleep, like curled up in little fetal positions. You can just see their chains and them. And every now and then, guards walking up and down the stairs. One thing you can see, though, is all the way down through the 12 invisible floors, all this, your stuff, you got, except for like the clothes you're wearing, your stuff is thrown into an invisible closet. And an invisible lock is locked by one of the guards. You know, you're on, like, the 12th level of this tower. All your stuff's down on the first level and, and locked in. And, uh, yeah, so that's where you find yourself. And I don't know if any of you has the capability of helping Jubal with his uh, hit points. I don't think you do. I don't think you have any of those spells handy. But uh, I'm going to leave you two to talk for just a, a few minutes in character and let you bemoan your fate. Well, I'm, I I do apologize for getting you into this, uh, Mister Fastmane. They started it. 
Yes, I mean, I had no idea that that these people would uh, have such a, a crazy uh, belief system that they think the world isn't real. It's plain to see for everyone that it's real. And, uh, you know, yeah, in, a, in my past life, I was a, some, somewhat of a hero and uh, made a name for myself. And, you know, and then I tried to settle down and that didn't work out. But I had no idea my past would come back to haunt me like this. Yes, they believe in very strange things here. Yes, and uh, I don't know if there's a way to convince them otherwise. Me don't think so, but me do think we... I... It seems like, uh... I don't know what uh, kind of punishment they have in mind, but... If we could... Get out of here... That would be ideal, but I don't see a way to do so with, uh these chains well and you, you you think maybe just maybe you might if you were to really concentrate all your strength be able to break yourself or one of your friends you know break the chains but you know everybody in the whole city could potentially see you and certainly the guards you know maybe nighttime might be a better you know depending on how well they light things up which you don't know but the day does pass, and after a few hours, you can see a guard climbing stairs from below with a serving tray. He's climbing the invisible stairs, of course, and he slides open the invisible hatch and the invisible door of your invisible cell, and he slides in the tray, and it's just, just an, you know, you can just, you got just enough room in the chain, slack in the chain to be able to get it, but there's three cups of small beer and there's three bowls of watery, but good-smelling moo stew. <laughs> and the guard says to this lad, Eat up. You're going to need all your strength to stand trial tomorrow before the priests of the Red Circle. Yeah, that's right. If you're convicted of blasphemy, then you're going to be sacrificed to the gods of nothing. Oh, no. And, uh... You can try to get some more information out of him if you like, but otherwise it looks like he's going to walk away. Uh, preci- precisely what time tomorrow? At dawn. That's when all the trials happen to the gods of nothing. Is this a, a trial by combat? Oh, no. Which is good for you, because from what I've seen, you're very ineffectual at combat. It's not my strong suit. No, it will be a trial... But I assure you, you'll get a fair trial. <laughs> oh, yeah. Funny, funny. i tell you this. The gods of nothing are hungry. Um, well, so the, the gods of nothing, uh, I've not heard of them before, I don't think. Well, they have no tenants. They are nothing. We believe in nothing. We believe in nothing, Lebowski. <laughs> And, and, uh, yes, but he, when he mentions the trial, he keeps pointing and nodding over at the, uh, that black pyramid that's a few, a few marches or miles mm. away. Like, you think that's where the, you know, and the pyramid's like right up against that pit, the step pyramid. And you can see now that there's, you thought it was like a stairway going up the sides of the step pyramid, you know, like slicing the steps. You really know it's a slide. <laughs> and, and you just have this terrible premonition of being slid down, you know, the side of the pyramid. You're like, ah! yeah. down well, into the uh, pit of... Sacrificial uh, bodies usually go into pits. That's right. It's not surprising. Yeah, and, and you don't know if this pit's really bottomless or not, but it can't be good in there. I mean, obviously, there's deep purple smoke billowing out of it. And uh, and, and it's, it's no... It's no uh, accident that we have smoke that is deep purple colored. If you know your classic rock, then you you know the riff that is playing inside my mind right now. But, uh, however, would you guys like to eat the moo stew or drink the small beer? Do you trust it? Oh, I'm so hungry I don't even have a choice. Huh? I'm just glad it's... Uh 
not something horrible yeah. looking. Uh, I was going to say, I hope if they were going to bring out some kind of nasty slopper, I would hope that that would be invisible too, so I don't have to see it. But this looks like a decent, uh, a decent meal. So, yeah, I mean, Scorg, you're a connoisseur of mumus too, aren't you? Yes, and me flabby, and we, we can't keep this flabby figure by not eating the mumu stew. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, it smells pretty good. Does anyone want to, you know, taste it with their tongue and see if maybe it's, you know, okay? Because I mean, they're not even gonna bother. I'm just gonna easy. Yeah. Squirt's just gonna fucking eat. Okay, it. okay. I'm gonna wait and see what happens to these two when they eat it. Okay. Well, they they eat it and uh, they they don't have any ill effects. Like I say, it's a little watery, I mean, but it's well seasoned and it's. Maybe they, maybe they really do want you to, to have your strength tomorrow. But uh, I'll, I'll assume you guys go ahead and, and eat while, up. While we're eating, uh, Sue wants to ask Jubal, are you sure this past life of yours really happened? Because you may have noticed that the sun is still red. Maybe these guys have a point. Well, yes, I am sure. I saved the world. It was very uh, complicated and detailed. I don't remember at all, but I I do remember uh, that, um, you know, there would be no sun at all if it wasn't for me and my compatriots. Yeah, and I'll interject here. Just, uh, I mean, the listeners wouldn't necessarily know this, but off mic many years ago, we had a campaign set in this world, and Jubal... And Joe playing yeah. a different character, and uh, we had a character named Yulian played by our friend Teresa. And uh, to save the world, these guys awakened the metal gods, which were essentially giant robots. And the long and short of it is, Yulian sacrificed himself by flying his metal god into the sun. Which, and so instead of the world immediately ending, uh, the world was granted. You went, went from the age of lamentations, where the world was ending, to the age of the temporary reprieve. The world has been granted a temporary reprieve, and that's why some people worship Yulian, but not these people, not the cult of denial. And uh, as, as the hours go on, remember, it's never like bright, bright daylight. The sky is usually kind of a navy blue, and you can see, you know, certain stars in the daytime. But it does get dark at night when that great bloated, shuddering, sunspot-covered, sick, old, red sun finally sets, you can see that you guys in your cell are pretty much in darkness, except outside your cell on the landing, a little globe of light appears in a lantern, and this just happens, boom, 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 down the stairs on every level. So, like, on each level, they live in one lantern in the stairways. Just so they can see if anyone's going up or down the stairways. But you guys in your cell are more or less in complete darkness. You, someone would have to be standing right outside the door staring at you. And the good thing about being in an invisible prison cell is you can see if somebody's standing right outside the door. So it's dark... And, uh, you know, for all you know, there's windows in this cell. You don't know. You have to walk around and feel all the walls. You think maybe if you were to somehow get out of the change, you might be able to come up with a plan to get out of here, even if it meant dashing down, you know. But all your stuff is down on level one. Your spells, you know, all your weapons. Uh, maybe not your armor. I think your armor is enough like clothes. None of you guys are really decked out in anything serious in terms of armor, I don't think. It's like leather and, you know, quilted and padded armor. So, um, and of course, thank God that Squirk still has his lace-up Jim Morrison pants, I'm assuming, from the previous campaign that we did. And don't you have some kiss makeup, too? I don't want to forget about the kiss makeup. We never really got to use that in the last one, I don't think. But you did get some black and white makeup from... From uh, Bong and Aki, the donkey-headed guy. That's that is true. I'd forgotten about that, but now that you reminded me, yes, you did have that. That's right. That's right. Some some Kabuki-style makeup oh. kid. Yeah, yeah, because I think I recall Jubal was actually borrowed some of it because um, he was going to. Uh, he never did, but he was going to mark. There was an invisible servant. Uh, in uh, Zard Nawal's uh, keep or whatever. Yeah. 
he was going to try to mark him so he could uh, keep track of him, but we could, you know, if we do get out of our chain, we could use that paint to mark where certain things are, you know, in this invisible. Maybe so, maybe so. Of course, the paint is down on the first level with all your stuff. But, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And of course, you never did need to put on Peter Chris style kiss makeup because you eventually did end up with the head of a cat without the makeup. But luckily, your head's back to normal now. But now you're in the darkness. Do you guys want to see if you have the strength to actually break these chains? Well, like, I am not at full strength, but I think our friend Sue here uh, might be able to do the trick. Well, Sue, do you want to try Sue, to, uh... Sue is very ripped. He's positive he can break these chains, Hercules oh. style. Well, well, let's hope so, because they are heavy chains, and you would need to do so with a disadvantage. I want you to succeed, but i got to be honest, they're not going to put light-ass chains in here. This is, uh, strength, obviously. Yes. Strength, you know. Well, if it were not for the disadvantage, I would have succeeded. But I have a 13. Well, I I hate to tell you, you do manage to break your manacles, because those aren't as heavy. But, uh, you know, getting out of the wall might be a little tougher. Now, if circumstances change, you can make the test again. So if you can get one of these guys out, maybe you could both tug on it, you know, that type of thing. But uh, If I recall, young Jubal is quite the yanker. Oh, yeah. I surprised even even myself at how uh, strong of a uh, yinker I am. So uh, I, I might as well try. All right, why don't you give it give it a shot? So doing your very very best to break free. Well, I uh, roll already rolled a nineteen. Okay, of course you get you're rolling with disadvantage. So roll another one and pick the worst one. Oh, that's how that works. 19's great. 19 would be great, but watch. With the disadvantage, you were like a 4. I rolled a 16. Oh, my goodness. Guess what? Jubal just pops. You pop off those manacles, and then then yanking your body forward, you rip the chain right out of the wall, and you're able to climb out of the manacle. Squirk, when you see this, you you feel very confident. (laughs) You could probably do it, too. Well, me gonna try. Well, my first roll was a natural 20, so I'm sure I'm gonna get a 1 now. Right, right, right. That was a natural 14, so a natural 20, which would be 25, and then a natural 14, which would be a 19. Okay, that's great. And you also... So, we're not gonna roll this out, but with the two of you, you know, yanking and tugging and helping your new friend Sue... You are all free of the chains. Once you get the manacles off your wrist and get the chain on the wall, you, you know, the, the part that's around your waist kind of gets looser once the manacles are off and kind of falls down. You step out of it like a pair of pants, right? And now you're in the darkness still. There's no guard right outside your door. You, you look around this. You can see the lights of the city. You know, everybody's lighting up their lamp lights inside their tall buildings at night. You can see the... You know, the stars are coming out. You can see the green elven moon, Luda Veridium, uh, rise. And, of course, the demon star, Serapis, and the empty star, and the loon, and all the great constellations. And it's still unnerving. You've been up here for a while. You seem to be floating in air. But all you can really see inside the tower are the little globes of light on each, which is a lantern, on each landing of the stairway. And so... What do you guys want to do now? Squirg, I think our I think our friend I think his muscles are fake. Do you now? I don't know about that. Well, but uh we haven't seen him actually use uh, his muscles. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't pull the the rope free. Uh and he hasn't, he hasn't uh, done, done much damage at all. Um, I think he might be, uh, you know, just make sure, you know, he could, he could be a con man or something. Pretending. We don't want to travel with, with, uh, no, fraudsters. Grift. Well, you might, might want to be careful about those kinds of accusations, because you might get sued. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Oh, my. Oh, my. 
Sue, before they left the cell, uh, would have picked up some of the chain that was yanked from the wall and brought that with him. Okay. Well, and I'll clarify, you've not left the cell yet. You're free of the being chained to the wall of the cell. She assumed that the door of the cell might also be locked and somebody might have to... uh, I mean, if you had any lock picks, I guess you might be able to maybe fashion the manacles or some of the metal of the chain through bending or whatever into a pick. That's not crazy. You could try to pick a lock with a disadvantage since you don't really have the right tools. Or you could just try to smash through the door. That was my noise. Did they give us like a spoon to eat the stew with or did we just have to like... You know what, Joe? That's a great point. That's a great point. That's a great point. I believe you could fashion uh, a, a spoon into a lockpick that would not give you disadvantage. That might be stretching it, but better than well, you could like a length of chain or something. The 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 end of the spoon, the non-spoon part, uh, right. non-business end of it uh, could be somewhat pointy. And I'll believe you because our listeners don't know this, but Colin actually picks locks as a hobby, not as a profession, but he has a secret lockpick kit that is disguised as a credit card. And yeah, uh, those, those picks yeah. actually really suck. Yeah. Just a novelty thing. Well, who would like to try to pick the lock with your spoon? I mean, well, it's a big lock. It's got a big keyhole. Sure. I must insist that I am a burglar extraordinaire. I'm... If... If I am not to pick this lock, then nobody shall, I'm afraid. Of course, you break change, you pick locks. Okay, well, why don't you stick that spoon in the lock, in the keyhole, and see if you can pick it. This is a dexterity test. Okay. You know, we need higher than a 15. Oh. Oh. Well. No. No. Not quite. Well, maybe you're not such an extraordinary burglar after all. Would anyone else like to give it a shot? When you're greater than a 15, you get to add your dexterity bonus. I've loosened the lock, so if anyone gets it, it's because of that. Well, me may be flabby, but me a bit dexterous as well, so let me give it a go here. And I rolled a 15, which is going to be a 20 with my bonus. Oh, well, look at that. Just click, click, click. Yeah, I already had most of the uh, tumblers uh, already in place. This is all you had to do was stick it in there. So okay, you're welcome. Wait. Well, here's the thing, and I would not stand and talk too long because opening the door leads onto the landing where there is that global light. Now, if anyone happened to be looking up right at this minute, they would be able to see the door open or see you walking past it. You know, so uh, unless you could think of some other stratagem. You know, it seemed to me that just rushing past it real quick, you know, and closing the door behind you might be the, the best way unless you guys can think of something else. Well, is it like a bulb that we could unscrew? Well, it's a lantern that you could put out, but then it would obviously go dark and that might be more noticeable than well, why am I thinking for you? But then we would have the advantage of the darkness to subdue anyone who came looking. Or the disadvantage of the darkness to draw the attention of anyone who happened to look up. So I think it's, it's, I think Squirk is going to think that speed is going to be the sort of key to not getting noticed and he's going to just fucking rush down those stairs. Okay. Well, here you flap flapping around. Okay. They can't hear through the walls. They're invisible, but they still block sound. And if I know Squirk, he's just taking off. He's not hanging around for the, the yeah. confirmation. So, Squirk, make a dexterity roll with advantage. And the advantage is because people aren't necessarily staring up at you right this very second. You know, any of the guards in the building. Uh, do you succeed? Uh, well, I don't know, but he got a 16. Okay, well, you succeed. Yeah, you need a 15 on everything, unless otherwise specified, or higher than a 15. So, yeah, Squirt just takes off. And you make it down three flights of stairs before you got to hide in the shadows again, before that burst of energy ends, right? So you've gotten down to level 9 so far on that dexterity roll, and no one seems to have noticed you. 
No one seems to have noticed you. You're you're just outside the globe of light, you know, on the ninth floor, waiting for your friends. Who wants to try it next? Well, I I assume he made it. I don't hear any uh, commotion. So, uh, well, I uh, hope you don't mind, uh, Mister uh, Fastmane, but uh, I'm going to uh, follow my friend here. You're certainly faster than I am. Yes, I assume that I am. Uh, yes, uh, I think uh, I will uh, attempt to make a run for it. Okay, make a dexterity roll with advantage. Be greater than a 15. Okay. Uh, we roll twice then? Yeah, roll pick twice, pick the best one. one. That's right. Well, my best one was a 15. Would we add our bonus? We add your dexterity bonus, yeah. Okay, then um, that would be a 19. Yeah, you always add when you're making a test. You just don't add for damage. Yeah. 19, you make it. You 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 you, you uh, rush down, you take up your position behind Squirg on the ninth floor. No one's seen you guys yet. No one's seen you yet. How about you, Sue? All right, I still have advantage as well. Uh, yeah, all of you do, and the advantage just comes from the fact that no one's actively watching you at the moment. That would be they, an 18, and my modifier will make it a 21. Oh, well, that's great. Soon you guys are all together on the ninth floor. Now let's see if you can get down to the sixth floor without anyone noticing. You know, they would have to be, like, purposely looking up, and if they're not, then they're going to notice some peripheral movement or whatever, but because they're not, that's why we we have the advantage. And if you want to, you can all just roll at the same time and go together on three, you know. Alright, looks Ooh. like Squirg makes it because I've got the thumbs up. I don't think Jubal doesn't look happy. No, I made it. Oh, good. And so did, uh, so did Sue. So congratulations. You guys have made it down to the sixth floor. You're just outside the global light on the landing. No one's noticed you yet. All your stuff is on the first floor. So you know what that means. you got to do this two more times. Oh, I wish we could just drill down through these floors. I can see it. I just can't grasp it. It's too far down. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, here we go again. Let's try and make that mad dash. So far, so good. So far, you've been lucky. Another natural 20 from Squirrel. Oh, nice. Nice. Cashing them in. Nice. Uh-oh. Ooh. Uh, I got a, a natural 20, and but uh, it looks like Joe has failed. No, no. no. Uh, yeah, if I get a 14. Well, you guys get oh. down to... You get down to the third floor, which is great. And you two, just as you make it, that chain that you brought with you, you just accidentally, you know... Bang it against the wall, and you hear a sound from below, and a guard runs up the the stairs and sees you just at the edge of that globe of light, you know. But but he can't see you real well, right? Because the light's kind of in between you and him. He's, hey, you blasphemers, get back up in your cell right now! What do you guys do? You know what? Let's roll initiative. So, oh, all right, Colin's rolling initiative. Oh, I, I, yeah, I didn't even think about it, and I rolled a six. Okay, great. You guys go first. What do you do? Um, hmm. Well, he's the only guard. Yeah, well, he's the only one that noticed it right now. He hasn't screamed or anything yet other than yelling at you to go back to your cell. And you know what? I've been doing this lightest guy goes first. That's not a knave rule. Knave lets you guys go in whatever order, you know. Really loudest, pushiest guy goes first is sort of how it works. Well, in that case, I think that would be Sue. Okay. And Sue's going to try to rush forward and get this chain around the guy's neck and, like, start strangling him before he can call for help. Okay, that sounds great. And to me, you know, we're supposed to handle stunts with a versus type of thing. And uh, I think that's kind of a dexterity-ish sort of thing, don't you? I mean, he's you're going to try to wrap it around him. He's going to try to score him out of the way yeah. before he can call for help. So, yeah, he's going to roll his... And, uh, well, you got a very, very, very good shot here, my friend. So. I I do not have a good shot because when I add my modifier, I have a five. Well, he has an eight. And he's like, get off me. Go, help! Help! 
help! Get on me! Help! Prisoners escape! Blasphemers escape! Help! Help! And here's some other footsteps, but they're not there yet. And uh, you other two guys haven't gone yet. What do you do? Uh, what do you do, Squirg? Uh, Squirg's going to run for the first floor and scream... Forget it. Let's all go. Come on, friends. <laughs> He's just gonna fucking run for it. Okay, you know I'm gonna make you push past that guy though. Let's have an opposed strength test. Oh shit, yeah. he rolls real bad though, so you'd have to really screw this up. Well, it's gonna be a twenty-two. All right. So. Well, yeah. Not only that, you know, he's kind of up the stairs. You're coming down the stairs. You got momentum on your side. You kind of bowl him over and knock him out of the way, and you're rushing for the first floor. What are you doing, Jubal? Um, if he's doing that first, um, then I will probably fall, have to run after him. Okay. Well, you guys make it to the first floor, and you can see where that closet was. But, uh, you know, the in the light, at the edge of the light on the first floor landing, at least in that room, you see two more guards coming out of an invisible door from that room where your stuff is in between you and it. And they're like, hey, you! And let's go ahead and uh, roll initiative again as a party. Hopefully you guys get a four, five, or six, and you can go first. Four. Okay, guess what? You guys are going first. So you got two guys in your way trying to block the doorway. What do you guys do? I will try to do like the classic uh, small person through the legs. Okay, Uh, that sounds great. Let's make an opposed dexterity test for that. Or versus test. Ooh. You need to get higher. Well, you need to get a 17 or better. Well, I rolled a 17. Well, plus what, you know, plus your dexterity is going to be way higher. So like, hey, you, you little shit, what, what, what? And you're running right through past their legs, and you're, you're into the room where the closet is. I mean, the closet is still closed and probably locked for all you know. But, uh, uh, Squirg, what do you do? You see your friend get past running through in between their legs. It's gonna try to just bolt past him. Yeah, bolt past him using the the uh, you know linebacker technique here, and uh, we'll make a post strength test for that. This time I got well, you would need to roll an eighteen. I'm rolling Ooh. very good all of a sudden. Well, I I rolled uh, for some reason I I was thinking I was still running down the stairs, and so I rolled with advantage, but. It doesn't matter because I rolled 12 twice, so I got 17 twice. Oh, no, you almost do. I mean, you think you're going to bust past him. You think you are. But, uh, you know, and, of course, the advantage was coming from the fact that those guys were not actively looking, not necessarily because of the stair momentum. But you you crash into them. They're like, hey, you, you, you get back in there. Just get back in there. So, Sue, what do you do? Can you, can you uh, turn the tide here? I'm going to try, since I still have this chain, to make a ranged attack and hit one of them. Okay, I love it. I love it. And, uh, you know, if you did it with disadvantage, you could probably swing it and hit both of them. I don't want to put ideas in your head. But uh, but you can certainly hit one of them uh, with a ranged attack gonna, with a chain. It's going to go with one. Okay, well, remember to add your wisdom bonus for the ranged yes, attacks. Yes. 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 I used to be a soldier. I've done this a million times. Done a lot of chain swinging. Oh, man, 19 plus 3 will be 22. Okay, well, with an improvised, go ahead and roll a d6 for the damage here. One. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, it's going to startle him. It's going to hit him in the head. It's, oh, he, like, grabs a bridge of his nose. He's in pain. And you guys had the initiative, so uh, the guy you ran past earlier and knocked down on the stairs. He comes running back down and uh, he makes an attack on you, Sue. Uh, so you're kind of like last in line here, but he misses you. He's he's a little discombobulated, I guess, from being pushed down by Squirg. And then the two guys who are right next to Squirg, uh, one of them tries to grab you, Squirg, but he rolls a, uh, a natural one. And it's probably the guy who got hit in the bridge of his nose, right? And he falls on his ass. He he's, he becomes unbalanced, and he kind of falls. And not only that, he falls past you. So there's really only one guy in between you and the room now. And that guy, he tries to grapple you, Squirt. But he rolls a two. One and a two. I mean, with his bonuses, he's got more. But uh, he's not able to stop you from, from getting any further into the room. And uh, now we're going to roll for initiative again. 
Uh, okay. It's I'll... like your initiative guy there, Jubal. All right. Uh, four. Okay, you guys will go first. Now, you're going to have to get that door open if you want your stuff. Do you want to try to pick the lock, Jubal, since you're in here and you've got the thing? Yeah. Or you got a spoon? Well, I guess I guess we could assume you all took your spoons. Yes. Can, can, I, uh, yours? Yeah. can I try to distract them to keep them off of him while he's trying to open the door? Uh, yes, yes, you can. So there's no real specific turn order. I mean, they couldn't get to him anyway, but certainly you can. How do you distract them? You take your pants I, off? <laughs> that would distract anyone. It's not just yes. my axe that's big. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm like, whirling this chain. Okay, okay. Just trying to keep them on their toes. I have, yeah. Well, I can see that those three of them, they're going to be, like, a little hesitant. Okay. You know what? I'm going to say that gives uh, Jubal an advantage to pick the lock. All right. And while he's doing that, what's what's Squirk doing? Uh, <clears throat> really, he's just waiting for the door to get open so okay. he can get his shit. Yeah, and probably also trying to stay out of the way of the whirling chain. Did you not that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know what I needed to get, but uh, yeah, I got always it. need a fifteen. Uh, Higher than a fifteen. Yeah, a fourteen. Oh no, he's working with it. He can't quite get it. He can't quite get it. And uh, well, in that case, uh-huh. Squirk would like to sort of stop just evading this chain and try to bowl the door down. <laughs> just like okay. rush into it and shoulder it to open. Alright, make a strength test. Do you rush across the room and crash into it? Uh, I can't tell if that's a 6 or an 8. That is a 6. So 21. Alright. Bam! Door cracks open. And of course all your stuff's right in there. And uh, yeah. Now like I say these two guys are a little bit uh distracted still they're afraid of that chain now if you guys don't try to stop and put on all your stuff now if you just grab your bags and and run you might be able to bash your way out the front door and get out of here before these guys can do anything if that's what you want to try if you want to stop and put on all your weapons and everything that might be a little trickier what do you guys want to do i mean i didn't i didn't even really have any armor so um i just want to uh, grab my shit and go I guess grab yourself and go yeah I agree I mean yeah. I, we didn't even take our armor I don't think so I yeah. think we're just yeah, yeah just grab grab stuff run and sort of out right later. right okay just grab my bag and my axe okay now I'm assuming you're kind of still swinging the chain around you know keep them a little bit at bay they're all yelling though now and you can hear footsteps running through the streets but you guys uh, somebody needs to smash their way through that front door Well, I say if um, Sue's going to be, like, waving the chain and trying to keep him off of us, well, I, uh, Squirt will... As, as I back in the room, because obviously I can't swing the chain and grab my stuff, I would have let the chain go and sort of flung it at them. Okay. All right. Uh, and then we could have run. Okay. Well, who does want to run? Who's going to get to that door first and smash it open? Uh, well, I'm not... If we're being indecisive... Squirk is going to just roll a natural 20. All right, and bam! You crash your way out of the invisible tower back into the crowded nighttime streets of Hadoro Tyros. While the cry of blasphemers is now echoing throughout the streets and people are leaning out their windows to see what's going on and you guys go tearing off into an alleyway and that's where we'll end it uh, for this episode. So... That was three natural 20s from Squirt today. Very that's, nice, that's very nice. And we had a couple natural ones. I got at least one natural one. I got one natural yeah, 22. Squirt yeah. got one as well. Okay. Yeah, well, we will be back for one more episode of Nave. And uh, you guys could, uh, we'll see if you can escape from Hadoro Tyros, the city, uh, in our next episode. Yes. And until Stay tuned then, to see if Sue can hit anything. <laughs> yes, House of Whiffs once again on Goonies World. We will see you next time. Hey, everybody. If you like our podcast, don't forget to leave us a good rating and or review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Spotify, or wherever you're able. 
Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Goonies underscore world. And check out our website at GooniesWorldPodcast.com. Email us at GooniesWorldPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.